I bought my first accounting practice in um, in January of 2003. So in fact, we're going to be celebrating our 20th anniversary here at Michael and Company. But really, our company goes back to the early 60s. I bought the accounting practice of a gentleman by the name of Michael Cardenas. And Michael was an outstanding CPA. In fact, he was appointed by President Reagan to be the administrator of the SBA in the early 80s. So my first office, we had pictures of Mike with President Bush, President Reagan, and and just it was just uh, an amazing practice. And I think that's where I learned advisory services. Welcome. You are listening to the Hero of the Hour podcast, the show dedicated to empowering you to take financial freedom into your own hands. Through expert interviews with decades of experience, this show will give you not only the tactical strategies of what's working in business, but the appropriate mindsets to master your financial future and build generational wealth. Heroes and entrepreneurs operate with a similar anything is possible mentality, and that is exactly what our show is about. Your host is none other than Mark B. Murphy, CEO of Northeast Private Client Group and best-selling author of three books, all dedicated to helping others plan for generational wealth. He and his team are on a mission to share their knowledge and techniques so that others can enjoy a life of financial security and freedom. Get ready to be inspired to create the life of your dreams. Let's go. In today's episode of the Hero of the Hour podcast, Mark has an insightful conversation with Bassa Michael, founder and president of OnlyForDentists.com. In this episode, you'll learn about what Bassam has done to become one of the most prestigious accounting firms for dentists in the country, how to find opportunities in a crisis, and his thoughts around competition and differentiation. Something Bassam said that really stuck with me is not all heroes have to wear capes. They just have to put the interests of others before themselves. Get ready for an awesome episode. Thank you. Hi, I'm Mark Murphy, the founder and CEO of Northeast Private Client Group. Thank you so much for joining my podcast. I believe heroes and entrepreneurs require that anything is possible mindset. And uh, Bassam, you've certainly proved that. Bassam, we've been friends a long time. But uh, when I started my business 35 years ago, 37 years ago now, I wanted to be a hero to entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial thinking people. And I've built a business surrounding myself with people like you who wanted to be a hero to the same group. So the first question I have for you is sort of how do you define a hero and, uh, you know, and how are you a hero to your clients? Well, first of all, Mark, thank you for, for having me on your podcast. It's a, uh... It's a pleasure and an honor to, uh, to be on your podcast. How am I a hero? Or, or how, I first, how, how do I define a hero? I, I think, you know, a hero doesn't necessarily wear a cape, but, but you know, heroes are, are people that really put the interest of others ahead of their own interests. So to put it maybe in a, in a single word definition, they're, they're, they're servants. They, they serve others. And, and I think that's what makes a hero a hero is that they, they serve. And, uh, 
you know, you see it everywhere. You know, if you go someplace, you go to a nice restaurant or you go to a medical facility or whatever, and and you see you see people just doing their job and and going above and beyond. You know, they're they're servants, and and uh, you know these are my heroes. So that's how I define a, a hero. Now, how am I a, a hero to my clients? Um, you know, again, it's just about going above and beyond, and it's not necessarily. You know, in our line of business, you know, I'm a, I'm the the founder and CEO of Michael and Company CPAs and and uh, OnlyForDentist.com, and lately also I, I founded um, Practice Gauge, which is a, a data analytics uh, software uh, for 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 uh, healthcare professionals. But going above and beyond means we're we're not just gonna be doing a tax return or or doing the books. I, I think going above and beyond means educating our clients so that they know where they stand financially and uh and they understand the numbers for for numbers people like you and I you know we we take a look at a at a set of financials and they tell us a story and I and that's what I try to teach my clients is that what what do what story do do the numbers tell that's how I think I help my clients and how I become a hero to them is um, not just doing the compliance work, but you know how how can we understand the numbers and what do the numbers mean and and then okay, well, what can we do about it, right? How can we lower our taxes? How can we deal with um, low profitability or high overhead? And and especially these topics are very important in in this economic environment that we're in. Who uh, by the who are some of your heroes? You know, growing up or today, who do you? Who's sort of like uh, you look up to and you go, that's a, that's a hero for me. Yeah. Like when I grow up, I want to be like that person. <laughs> um, well, you know, I actually, my dad definitely meets that, you know, criteria. I mean, you know, I, I come from a, a family of immigrants and, and uh, you know, I've just seen my dad, even though, you know, being very busy at work and he had a family and. And, uh, and, but, but whenever someone needed something, he was there to help. And, and now he is almost 80 years old. And if someone asks him to do something, he'll do it. Uh, he's just that kind of person. And I, and he taught me since I was young that happiness doesn't come when you do things that serves you. Actually, happiness comes when you help others and make others happy. So uh, definitely my dad is my hero. And, uh, you know, no matter how bad his day is, he's always very optimistic and just, you know, dresses like a million dollars. He's always a very sharp dresser. And <laughs> and he just he just loves life and, and he loves to help others. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I think the the imp, the gift is the impact you make on other people's lives. I remember when I was a kid, I used to idolize uh, Willie Mays and Tom Seaver. You're growing up in New York, and and then when I was an adult, I used to you know love uh, to watch Mark Messier when he was captain of the Rangers. I think it was like John Wayne on skates. But uh, you know, sometimes as you get a little older, it's sometimes you think about it, it's the cops and the firemen and the people who teach children right for wrong just so many everyday heroes that wake up every day just trying to make a life better you know the life's better of all the people they touch and 
you know, I, I, that's sort of as I, you know, as I keep thinking about it, redefining and thinking my own mind, it, it always opens up to other possibilities of, of, of not only who heroes are, but also who heroes aren't. Thus, we have a lot of anti-heroes, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> in this country, too. You know, one of the things I talked to you is, you know, one of the preeminent dental practice or accounting practices in the country for dentists. I know that wasn't always the case. How did you decide to kind of narrow it down to just the dental industry? And I just want to take me through the kind of thought process of that, because I, I, you know, if I understand correctly, at one time you had a more of a general practice. Yes. So I bought my first accounting practice in, um, in January of 2003. So in fact, uh, we're, we're, we're going to be celebrating our 20th anniversary here at Michael and Company. But really, our, our company goes back to the early 60s. I bought the accounting practice of a gentleman by the name of Michael Cardenas. And Michael was an outstanding CPA. In fact, he was appointed by President Reagan uh, to be the administrator of the SBA uh, in the early 80s. So the, uh, my first office, we had pictures of Mike with President Bush, President Reagan, and, and just it was just uh, an amazing practice. And it was more of a, and I think that's where I learned advisory services. You know, it was not like your, your typical accounting practice where you're just cranking out P&Ls and tax returns <laughs> um, because clients want more than, than that. And uh, so that was my first accounting practice. I bought it and I kid you not, Mark, I doubled it. We, or, we doubled it in, in the first year. I mean, wow. That was amazing. It was a small boutique practice. And then um, one of our clients probably made up about 30% of our practice. And it was a general practice. We had manufacturers and, and all kinds of, of clients. And then that client sold to a Fortune 500. Uh, and overnight, I saw my revenues drop by 30%. So that's what I, when I learned that I would rather have $10,000 clients than one $100,000 client. <laughs> right, no, so, no. Oh, I, well, that must have been very painful because that 30% is is all the profit. It's your salary. It's the profit. Absolutely. It's the growth in the business. It's, 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 I mean, many companies don't even come back from that. Right, yeah. And, and I think that was maybe the, one of the lessons I learned from that as well is that I was just so focused on on this initial or success or maybe if you want to call it beginner's luck <laughs> that I had. Um, so anyway, a couple of, uh, in 2005, so two years later, we bought another small practice again uh, to kind of make up for the loss and and to continue to grow. And that was a traditional accounting practice. It was a uh, just a bookkeeping and tax practice and. And I, I know Mike warned me not to do that, <laughs> but I didn't heed to his advice. And again, I was young. I was, uh, you know, when I started my practice, I think I was 27 or 28. So, you know, I, I was, I cared more about being busy than, than, um, than having a quality practice. So anyway, we bought that second practice out of desperation. Oh, and that, by the way, the first practice that I bought was an earnout practice. So we bought it using the earnout method. 
And it was a win-win because as you can imagine, when we doubled revenues, Mike basically got paid twice as much as he would have. <laughs> but it was great. I didn't have any loans on my balance sheet and it was wonderful. Um, and then the second practice was again, a traditional one. It was seller finance, but it was not a earnout, And um, it just, you know, it was a painful transition, but we still managed to keep the clients. And, and, uh, and uh, in fact, to this day, we still have a couple of, of those clients. So anyway, fast forward a year later, and then when I realized, okay, now I need to grow organically. So uh, me and my now my partner, uh, he was back then. Back then, he was uh, an intern. We went through our client list and and um, and just started grading our clients. And it was not just on fees, but it was also, you know, how do we like working with their industries? Uh, are we able to make a difference for them? Are they easy to get a hold of? And lo and behold, at that time, I think we had like four dentists. The four dentists like scored A's on everything. So we said, okay, from now on, we're going to start, you know, organically growing and focusing on dentists. So I uh, built a website called onlyfordentists.com. And then I started going, and that was back in 2007, I believe. So still online marketing was... Um, was still very new. Sounds like sounds like a dating so, uh, site. No, no, you know, <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but what was that? So, so when that didn't exist, oh, t- tell people what only for dentists was. What, what only is- for dentists, just a website. It was, uh, you know, we wanted to make it very clear that we're we're not a general practice. We're just gonna focus on dentists, and and but by me- meaning we're not just gonna do, you know, for the for dentists, we're not just gonna do a PNL and a and a tax return. Um, so we decided that from that point forward to be customer focused. So I started taking out my my dentist clients, the four of them. They were all friends that maybe I went to high school with or whatever, and and fi- found out what you know what did they want beside a tax return and a and a PNL. And I found out dentists are very competitive, so they wanted to know how are we doing in comparison to our peers. Well. Um, so we, I developed an Excel spreadsheet that had a dashboard. Oh, another thing I found out that most people don't read the PNL. They just, we send them the financials and they put them in the drawer and, you know, so I wanted to do something that, that fits on a single page that gives them all the key statistics that financial statistics, not necessarily, you know, uh, uh, anything like, like that has to do with, um, you know, clinical stuff, mainly financial, you know, right. So that's where we developed that that dashboard, and then we found out they wanted us to be proactive on tax planning, and and uh, you know, so uh, we started doing that as well, and and just standardized it, and it just grew from from four clients to now over two hundred. Well, that that is amazing growth. You obviously, uh, you know, I, it's funny. In fact, I don't believe in competition. I believe in differentiation, and clearly that dashboard is a differentiator for you and others. Others, but uh, you know, one of the things I wake up every day, I, I start I, like in my world, I say financial services firms. I, I kind of in my mind have that there's four financial firms lo- firms lined up one after the other, after the other, after the other. And why would that client pick me over the other three firms? What do you see? in the world of competition or differentiation that others don't? What is, 
you know, how do, how do you view your business and why people choose you? You know, I think they choose us because of the people that we have, honestly. And again, we're not for everyone. So, I, you know, I, I can't, I mean, but, but I think the comment that we hear from most of our clients, it's not because we're like the smartest accountants or, or. I just, you know. I tend to disagree, but I will, <laughs> I will, I will disagree violently. <laughs> but, but, but honestly, I think it's because we just have good people. We, we do our best to, to treat people the way we want to be treated. I think that's really what it comes down to. And, um, you know, I just, I put quality ahead of growth. So, um, you know, I, at the end of the day, I'm a professional and, and I just, I take pride in, in the work that we do. And, and, um, and, and hopefully we're, we're uh, making a difference in our clients' lives. And, and, you know, the way I see it, you know, the work that you and I do, we do very important work because our job is really to help clients with the clients worry a lot about their financial situation and they 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 worry a lot about hey am i going to be able to retire am i going to be able to make payroll next week so i i think we um we're, we're kind of like an insurance policy more than anything else you know we, we help people sleep better and and that's how i i take my i take my job very seriously and i try to you know let my team know that we're not in the business of of producing financial statements or or producing tax returns we're in the business of um giving people peace of mind people worry about their taxes yeah it's funny i was um you know, i have an accounting background i you know I, I wish i would have sat for the cpa exam 35 years ago when i knew what a widget was but uh but I think, you know, my background is really, my degree is in finance and you know, I studied a lot of economics. And I almost think that, you know, although those are really valuable tools, I think what we really are is psychologists. I always say I'm, I always say I'm like one of the best paid social workers in the world and that you're there, you know, you know, keeping people emotionally fit and you're helping them make wise decisions. It's a, it's, a, it's, it, it, I mean, that's what we do, right? I mean, that's, that's what you do. I mean, every day. Absolutely. And sometimes, you know, sometimes, you know, you encourage people, hey, you're doing a great job. Look at your numbers. You're, you're doing wonderful. Hey, how did you do this? And sometimes, hey, you need to cut this out. <laughs> so sometimes also you gotta, you gotta tell it like it is. Are you, are you, uh, what do you see? Like having, you know, a commonality of, of dealing with, with dentists, what are like the one or two or three things that, you that, that are the same issues that seem to come up again and again and again, where you go, you know, that, that's the, that's the, uh, that's the third time I've dealt with it. And it's only 10 o'clock in the morning, you know? Yeah. You know, that's the one that's coming up a lot is Delta. Um, and, and again, I, I, I maybe I shouldn't yeah, for, be saying Delta, well, De Delta Dental, you're talking about the insurance Delta company. Dental. That I don't know your... if we should even be mentioning names, but, but yeah, I mean, it's just not working. You know, we're, we're seeing it, you know, especially as we're doing year end reviews right now and looking at numbers. If you're picking up a lot of patients <laughs> and those patients are Delta patients or PPO patients and, and basically all, you know, the other dentists within like, say, a three or five mile radius are not a network and you're happy because you're picking up all those patients. You shouldn't be happy because, you know. The conversation that I'm having with a lot of clients is that we're seeing that they're they're working harder than ever. 
and their profitability is going down um, because they're, they're having trouble finding good staff. And in many cases, to control their costs, they're just ending up doing more themselves. And um, they have a lot of demand because a lot of these patients that that uh, are are now are you know want to use a dentist that's in network are coming to them, and and um, so they're working harder and making less money. And and you know we're we're having this conversation two or three times a day now um, that maybe you should consider <laughs> um, you know something about maybe consider going out of network. Well, that's a uh... Yeah, I've I've heard that more than more than a couple of times. I was wondering. You so you said you bought the practice first in two thousand three. Technology has gotten so darn good. What was the geographic sort of where most of your clients were geographically? Were they California based where you are? Because now you know what's the cha- and what's the challenge of running a national practice like you're running right now? That's a very good question. Yeah. Well, we had. I would say. Most of our clients were local, right? Local to Fresno, California. But then we had a few clients that the larger clients were out of town, the manufacturing clients. But once I opened my second practice in in, uh, San Jose, in Cupertino, I found out because of traffic, and that was again early on, like in maybe 2011, those clients didn't want to take a half a day from work to come and meet with me. So we adopted, you know, using Zoom or or um, or one of the you know cloud-based meeting apps. <laughs> we adopted that early on, probably five, seven or eight years before COVID, um, and that was our mode of of communicating with clients. And I think that's what helped us grow nationally. Is that you know we, we standardized the the uh, onboarding process. You know, we don't start working with clients until we have access to you know their bank accounts their their credit cards their payroll information um and it kind of like just made gathering and collecting information much much easier and um and i think the model was very appealing to the dentists because dentists out of all the professionals they really value their time and uh, they like the idea that hey i don't have to get in the car and take time off from seeing patients and and go and meet with my accountants. So, I think um, that was a good uh, a good lesson to learn early early on, or an observation that that we decided to kind of capitalize on. Um, the challenges are, you know, now we have to also deal with tax laws in different uh, municipalities and, and states. So that becomes um, challenging, and so we're trying to also. You know, we prefer working in in states that maybe don't have a lot of income tax issues like Texas, Florida, <laughs> but uh, Nevada, but uh, Washington. But uh, we, I think, so far we work maybe in in close to twenty states. That's fantastic. Have you noticed that life is getting more and more expensive, from grocery prices to real estate values, everywhere you turn prices seem to be skyrocketing. Well, Mark has dedicated decades of his career and life to serving entrepreneurs and professionals to build real wealth, and in most cases, multi-generational wealth. The reality is, we all have to navigate turbulent times in this economy, but the difference will be for those that have a roadmap and a customized plan for building wealth. 
That's why, as a listener to this podcast, we are so excited to share with you first access to Mark's newest book, The Ultimate Investment, a roadmap to grow your business and build multi-generational wealth. When you access this book, you'll discover how to know when you're working a job instead of a business. That hard work isn't all about hours put in. This will make you more productive. Why you need to live with your back against a wall. How to surround yourself with the right people who support your vision. And so much more. Go to www.markbmurphy.com forward slash book to get access now. Once again, go to www.markbmurphy.com forward slash book. And now, back to the show. I think about the Zoom, you know, one of the things I used to think, I was a belly-to-belly guy prior to COVID, where I'd literally been on a plane uh, at least once a week, maybe more, to see clients all over the country. And the challenge I always had is, you know, that you can, that I always thought, and I still think you can, that you can really have transformative relationships when you get to reach out and touch someone. You can go have dinner with them. You can go to a ball game with them. You can really spend, you know, as much time as you can with them. But this Zoom has been such an effective device at not only being a communication system, but a transportation system into the 21st century. And and so, you know, I, I've come to the conclusion that I, I prefer a Zoom over a conference call. I'd rather look at somebody and see if they're nodding or see if they're if they're with us or, or you know, all of those things. But I, I'm actually been pleasantly surprised that, you know, it's one thing for people like you and I who have known each other forever, you know, conference call or a Zoom, you know, we can... You know, we, you know, we, you know, we know each other well, so it, there's no surprises. But with new clients, do you see any difference? No, no. I'm in fact, I think I, I, I probably have not met sixty percent of my clients face to face, like in person. We just we've always just talk on the phone or do Zoom. And and I, I, you know, since COVID, I think people are very comfortable with Zoom. In fact. You know, I, I usually give clients access to my calendar and I give them an option to either do a phone call or a Zoom and overwhelmingly all of them choose Zoom. You know, I, it's, you know, the, the, the thing about the pandemic, I think that if we had started, if it, like at least in my firm, if we had started this, say, 10 years ago, it would not have gone well because what the pandemic forced, it forced people that are 70, 80, 90 years old, know how to get on Zoom to go Zoom with their grandchildren. You know, uh, every, everybody, you know, that, that that everybody learned how to use the system, where if it was you and I 10 years ago trying to teach our clients how to use the system, you know, we might have come with some resistance or people would not have been able to get it. So it's, I think that all the factors came together to go to go do that. Um, you know, I, I, I don't have a tie on today. I have a I have a uh, I have a suit on, but I don't have a tie. But um, I probably the first 20 years of my career, I didn't wear a sport jacket. I wore a suit and tie every day to work. Uh, partly because I was young and I wanted to let people know I was serious, but uh, I, you know, I think uh, I think the time manufacturers and suit manufacturers in this country are uh, are not doing so well in the new economy. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, California has always been probably business casual a long time ago. Like you know, throughout my my career, even when I was interviewing at big national firms, you know, the, the dress code was uh, you know basically dress um the same as your client right so but i think the east coast and 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 even some parts of like texas for example i feel i feel like they dress up a lot more than us and on the west coast yeah no i i, I think that's uh that's the case i also 
you know, I don't know what you think or what you're advising clients, but an awful lot of people think we're either in recession or maybe going in to a recession or tough times in, in, you know, in, in the ne next year. What are you advising clients and what do you think is going to happen? I mean, not that you have a crystal ball, but uh, it's, you know, people look to you as, a, as an opinion leader and a thought leader. Uh, I mean, I, th I think many times they're paying you to peek around corners. So I want you to peek around corners for our audience and tell them what you think. Right. Well, you know, I think I, I enjoy reading. Right? I, I read a lot. And, um, you know, I think really as a country, we're, we're facing major challenges. Um, so I, I think, um, you know, if we want to start talking about, you know, what are we in a recession, recession? And I think we kind of need to kind of maybe understand what the macro view is. Right. And, and I think some of the challenges that we're, we're seeing. Um, you know, for example, the, these uh, huge government deficits. You know, I mean, I think our deficit this year um, is what 1.5, 1.6 trillion. It's, it's just huge. So, how are we financing that? I mean, we're we're printing money. I don't even think, uh, and it's going to be interesting to see once the Fed tightens, and and you know, if the Fed is not going to be buying all that government debt, you know, well, what do you think is uh, is is the bond market going to be affected by by all that government debt? I mean, is the government going to be competing with businesses and individuals for capital? <laughs> I don't know. So I, I, you know, there is potential that maybe possibly I, I don't know uh, if 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 the Fed does what they say they're going to do, which is you know continue to tighten. I mean, do you think that the capital markets could tighten as well? And I, I mean, I think you know, I, I think if anybody had a crystal ball. I always say the best time to bet on Monday night football is Tuesday morning. Uh, but, I, but I do think that one of the things I do think is that that where my mindset always goes, Bassam, is I never ignore problems. You know, you can't be have rose-colored glasses or be Pollyannish and go, oh, these problems, you know, just pretend they don't exist. I, that certainly does not work. But I think my mind also goes to, well, what's great about that? You know, meaning if we don't go into a recession, that's great. There will be opportunities. But if we do do go into a recession, I think there'll be opportunities, you know, for people that that there'll be well-run companies will have the ability to acquire other companies not doing as well. I think the the labor market won't be as tight as it's been. So you know, a lot of businesses can't grow because they can't find great employees. I think there'll be a a bigger pool of uh, of people to choose from. I think there'll be a lot of opportunity, and I think sort of as entrepreneurial thinking people, I think what we have to do is maybe coach our clients to one. To make sure that they've, you know, they properly protected themselves, they've got enough liquidity, and they've they've made all the right financial and life decisions. But then be aware for, but but be open to opportunities for, you know, for for growth. And then you know the biggest thing I'm advising my clients is that they they also need to assume that it's not going to be business as usual. So you know if if you ran a business the last ten or fifteen years. You know, where we all got accustomed to to very low interest rates. I I don't think maybe for a while that's going to be uh, around. So I think that's also going to make growing a little more difficult uh, because we all got used to cheap money. And I think that could potentially, if that continues, that could potentially affect valuations and and of uh, multiples and 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 things like that. But but by the same token. You know, with these challenges, like you said, um, there's opportunities, but the key is you got to stick to fundamentals, right? So we're, we're advising clients that, you know, 
you need to have plenty of cash. My bare minimum for cash in, the, in a business bank account is two months, at least two months of uh, operating cash. And personally, somewhere between three to six months uh, for, for your personal expenses. The, the other, so yeah, I mean, that's a challenge I think that we're facing is the, the government deficits. Uh, and, and again, I mean, that could make inflation, I think, persistent. The other challenges that we, you know, we're going to be facing um, as a country is that, you know, the country's divided, right? And and again, maybe thank God that there's a good possibility that we may have uh, divided a divided government, and 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 hopefully a divided government doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to continue to be a divided people or divided country, and and maybe that will force Washington to to compromise a little bit with with the other side and and maybe get the business of the people done. So I'm I think I'm optimistic uh with that regards. Well and we'll be able to tell, you know, we'll be able to tell if you know if if uh um but but I'm I'm kind of actually excited about the prospect of divided government because at least Washington now cannot do anything that can complicate our lives for the next couple of years. Um so to me, I think that that's a good thing, and it should should stabilize. I think uh, the economy, and I, I think if that happens, maybe things are not going to be as bad. Not that one party is worse than the other, or vice versa, but but um, you know, I think we definitely need to put well, well, gridlock. Uh, gridlock. A lot of people think gridlock is good. I mean, there are some things that are empirical. As an example, if you bought a house a year or so ago, you might have gotten a mortgage that was sub three percent. And now that mortgage is six or six and a half or even seven percent. Um, people don't buy a house. Go higher. Yeah, they don't buy a house price. They buy a payment, and you can't afford to pay the same that you did a year ago when rates were under three percent. I think it's the same thing, and in the commercial space, particularly for your clients that are dentists, I think between Amazon and the internet disrupting uh, commercial real estate and um, interest rates, and and a lot of those deals that were done on variable loans. At two or three percent market caps that are going to readjust and they're going to be underwater. There was a, a lot of places in this country where it was impractical for a dentist to own a, bu- a building because it was just too valuable and too expensive. And I think that you have to do dentistry live. It's hard. You can't do virtual dentistry. You can't zoom a. You can't zoom an implant. And so I think that that there's going to be an opportunity to create wealth in real estate for some doctor, for some doctors in in metropolitan areas that did not have that opportunity prior. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. and again, that goes back to, hey, having enough cash on hand. So when these opportunities come, um, you're able to make the deal work. Yeah. Right. I mean, especially with banks. I mean, you mentioned liquidity, having enough cash. I mean, you know, banks are notorious for only lending money to people that don't need money. So you want to be in a position that uh, you're using it as a tool, not because of, out of desperation. Yeah. And and again, I think it's always good to go back to fundamentals. So, I mean, look at cash flow. Cash flow is very important. Um, because, and, and that's that's really how banks also evaluate the deal. They care more about cash flow than valuations, especially in in the dental practice uh, arena. So I'm also optimistic, you know, about like you said. I th- I think the labor market hopefully will start loosening loosening up a little bit. Again, a lot of our problems that we're experiencing now are policy driven, right? And I think if if uh, both political parties kind of sit down and hash things out and maybe compromise, um, I think with changes in policy, we could we could definitely see 
improvements both on the energy you know side which affects inflation quite a bit on the budget deficit which again uh, affects inflation and then the other thing is maybe we need to look at a good immigration policy because you know we haven't brought we're, we're not bringing in labor the labor that we need from from immigration and i think that's also affecting shortages so again i i come from an immigrant background and i and i support immigration and i think as long as it you know we're bringing people that that help our economy and help our country and will contribute to the growth of this country i think they're more than welcome and we should have an open door for them you know these are things i think if we change our policies on on these things will you know maybe we're not going to have as bad of a recession as everyone is talking so yeah we'll see we'll see but but again the economy is very resilient mark i mean uh, for the most part our uh, when i'm reviewing numbers year to date clients are very still very profitable and and dentistry still is a, a a really good business you know that dentistry is one of the most profitable businesses in america still i i i actually do know that and you know i i also know that a recession or a pandemic or any disruption in business always becomes a magnifier of who you are and that you'll see the very best and brightest continue to just use this as an opportunity to massively grow their their empires and the folks that uh, that are mediocre or less will use the recession or a pandemic or any other as an excuse of why things aren't yeah. aren't there going and yeah. um and and that, that's right on i mean we've been in this business for a long time and and we've been through a, a few recessions and uh, i can tell you that for for many of our clients back in 2008 and the recession was not uh, an issue if if anything we will always encourage them hey this is this is the time to double down you know you need to invest in marketing invest in yourself in your education invest in your team and invest in the practice you know upgrading your equipment now's the time there's always good deals uh, and and you need to capitalize on these opportunities. You know, I have to laugh with this podcast. I'm uh, I can't get up, but uh, I noticed that there's sun coming into my office, so it's distracting. That I've got like a, a shine of light through my head. Uh, you know, I'm I'm hoping it will be that people think I'm angelic and it's coming from God. But it's I was going to say it's, it's a distracting. Sign. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, well, that well, that's a great thing when you're not a professional media person, you're just somebody that wants to, you know, create a better life for all the people you touch, like you and I do. Uh, you know, that's why we are brothers from another mother. And uh, all I want to do is I, I just want to wish you and your family just continued uh, happiness and success and love. And uh, I just feel uh, you're one of my heroes. And I'm just so happy to have you in my life, Bassam. And thank you for everything you are to me and to all the people that we work with. Thank you, Mark. And, and you know, again, um, you're probably one of the people that when I grow up, I want to be like you. So uh, you're absolutely a hero to me as well. And and uh, I, I look up to you and, um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this, Mark, I know if I'm ever in trouble, you're, you're on my speed dial. So, uh, you know, I'd be there for you. I think, you know, the, ch the challenge that, you know, for folks like us and, and a lot of a lot of other good people, I'd like to put us in the good people category is that uh, it's it's when you need people, you know, when when people are riding high, everybody's got a lot of friends. And I always remember that, you know, it's when times are tough. That's when you you see who, uh, who you know, who's with you and who's not with you. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and, and I'm glad to have you in my foxhole. And likewise, and and best of luck to you and, and your family and, and your team. You guys are amazing. And uh, one last thing, too, is, is that, you know, 
one of the reasons I love working with you is that you're not necessarily just selling financial products. <laughs> you're a lot more. You're 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 an advisor, uh, a life coach. I haven't met too many wealth advisors that recommend that their clients buy real estate. They usually just want them to keep buying stocks and bonds. And so again, you look you look at the financial health and of of the your clients as a whole. And um, uh, that that's what makes uh, you very special and your team very special. To well, me. I don't know. I'm, I'm glad I'll, I'll let my mother know that somebody else thinks I'm special other than her. But, you know, it's funny that that book, the third book we have coming out in February. I mean, to me, if you only had one dollar to invest, uh, the reason I named that book, The Ultimate Investment, is because I think owning a business is not only the first place I'd look as an entrepreneur to invest money. Yeah. But also, it's it's one of the as, as a tax professional like yourself, it's one of the last great tax shelters out there. Absolutely, yeah. That and real estate, really, <laughs> too. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But, but but yeah, our businesses have been probably the best investments that we've ever made. Yeah, well, totally. well, continue to help people. And uh, Bassam, thank you, and have a uh, have a great rest of your day. You too, Mark. Thank you, my friend. Take care. Thank you. Bye bye. Thanks. Bye bye. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Hero of the Hour podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you are listening to this on. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share the podcast episode with them. You can catch the show notes for this episode and more at www.markbmurphy.com forward slash podcast. Be sure to check out the other great books and resources on the website while you're there. Once again, it's www.markbmurphy.com forward slash podcast. All links can be found in the description below. We look forward to serving you on the next episode. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS or Guardian and opinions stated are their own. Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. OSJ, 200 Broad Hollow Road, Suite 405, Melville, New York, 11747, 631-589-5400. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Northeast Private Client Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0B36048, Arkansas Insurance License Number 741545, Expiration and Submission Numbers located in the show notes.